Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Chelsea Sondergaard. Chelsea started her career in the health and exercise field as a group fitness instructor and personal trainer. While her background and education is in exercise science, she has a desire to help more people, help people more than just in their physical health. She combined her interest of personal development with wanting to help people live healthier lives with less stress to create her self-care focused coaching business, Chelsea D Coaching, and her podcast, The Mindful Self-Care Podcast. Her mission is to her mission is to empower busy, high-achieving women to put themselves first, so that they can have the energy to show up as the best version of themselves each and every day. When she's not working in her own two, her, her own businesses, you can find Chelsea teaching Pilates and bar, curled up with a book, or playing with her dogs. Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I just love what you're about. I'm very excited to chat to you, especially because you came from that fitness background and saw this need for personal development, which is like exactly what this podcast is about. I am so excited to chat and talk about all the things. It's going to be so much fun. Yay. Well, let's dive more into your backstory, Chelsea. I feel like anyone who kind of gets into fitness, self-care, what have you, there's always a backstory. There's a reason you're here. So tell me the context I would need to know to know why you help people in the way you do today. So originally, I wanted to be a physical therapist when I went to college and as a way to make some extra money in college and make my PT application stand out a little bit more. I got into group fitness instructing and doing some personal training. And through that, I was like, I actually think I like this route a little bit better than physical therapy. And over time, I was introduced to Pilates, which kind of felt like the combination of physical therapy with my fitness love all together into one. And it's kind of sp- spiraled from there in the best way possible. When I was working in lots of gym settings with a lot of different people coming to classes, working with me as like a personal trainer, I just kept seeing kind of the same patterns over and over again. People were so exhausted. They were tired. And they were kind of missing some of the pieces that I felt was really be helping them for their overall well-being and their health. And so that's why I started to dive a little bit deeper into what does well-being really mean? How can we better take care of ourselves? I was just getting really tired of people coming to me, whether it be group class participants or clients, being like, I have not losing weight. I've plateaued. I'm working out hours and hours a day and multiple days a week. I'm really watching what I'm eating. I can't enjoy my life anymore. Like there's got to be something more to this. And so I decided to not just do health and fitness to kind of speak about self-care and stress management because I was also incredibly burnt out and incredibly tired and really not taking care of myself in a way that felt good anymore. And so I want to try to be an example for other people that you can move your body in ways that feel good. You can fuel your body with foods that make you feel good, but you can also live your life and enjoy it and feel really good and set boundaries and say no and be a healthy, happy, well-rounded person. I love that. That's such nice motivation, Chelsea. Like not only did you see some missing pieces with the people you were teaching, but also within yourself, you were feeling that increased burnout. So it's almost like you're on this journey while also also helping others, which I think is really cool and super relatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're all on this journey together. (laughs) 
A hundred percent. Tell me more about those missing pieces. Um, so what do you feel like is was missing from the fitness industry at that time? So when I first started training, one, there was a huge focus, I felt, and I mean, there still is, but weight loss was everywhere. Like everyone expects you to have a weight loss goal. As a personal trainer, you were expected to have like a perfect body, a six pack, all this different stuff. And well, weight loss is not necessarily a bad goal to have. I've never believed that that it's the only goal that you should have when it comes to your health. When you're solely focusing on the number of the scale, you can miss out on so many other things that can end up making you unhealthy. Like just because you're, you hit your calorie count for that day, you hit your macros for that day, doesn't mean that you're actually feeling your body in a way that feels good, or you're eating healthy, nutritious foods that aren't filled with processed chemicals. Doesn't mean that you're not getting enough sleep or drinking enough water or any of those other things. And I just had a bunch of people who would come up to me frustrated that they weren't reaching a weight loss goal, or they just didn't feel like that they were getting anything out of their workouts anymore. And they were spending like two hours a day doing really high intensity workouts in the gym most days of the week, if not five days or six days a week. I'm like, well, there's, there's just gotta be more to life. <laughs> there's gotta be more, like there's gotta be there just needs to be more to our physical activity, to our goals, to our life than just dripping in sweat and making yourself work out so hard. You feel like you're going to throw up. Um, and then on top of that, when you're working that harder than gym, but then you have a family life and you're trying to show up for your friends and you're trying to do everything that you want to at work. Like there's this joke um, that I feel like we say it's a joke among millennials, but I don't think it's that much of a joke. And we all need to kind of look at it that we're all really, really, really burned out. We're like the burned out generation. And sometimes I think um, millennials or really anyone can wear that anxiety, that burnout with a badge of honor. And it's, it's not really that good of a thing. Like it's not something we should just kind of laugh off and be like, yeah, I'm really anxious. I'm overwhelmed. I'm burnt out right now. Uh, and just kind of be like, it is what it is. Like we should really be looking at what, is making us feel that way. And I'm a big believer that if it's your workouts, we have a big problem and we need to yes. make some changes. I love that. The first thing that popped to my head when you spoke about like millennials and being burnt out and stuff like that is like our therapy is, it is what it is. And then yep. you said it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, we're fine. We're, we're all fine, but we're not. And I think it's a it's something like I talk with my friends about a lot because a lot of us, we have anxiety, we have overwhelm and we're just like, oh yeah, I'm just anxious. And here's my funny little coping mechanisms. I'm gonna get myself a hot cup of tea and I'm gonna go walk around Target or Home Goods and do some retail therapy. I'm like, yeah, we joke about this, but when you really start to think about it, it's sad and it's kind of scary mm. <laughs> that like there's just a whole generation and not that it's just millennials. There's whole host of people across all generations that are feeling this way I just exactly, because yeah. I'm a millennial I feel like I see it a lot in that that age group and in our own special way and yeah we, we joke about it a lot and so then when I hear people specifically within my area of expertise being like I want to work out but I don't want to but I feel like I have to and then there's this negative self-talk of all this guilt if they don't do it I'm like this this is this is not helping the problem mm. in any way shape or form Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people know that that exercise is good for us, not for just the weight loss benefits, but also for the mental health benefits. Mm -hmm. um, but there's this interesting newer study that I saw the other day. And actually, after a certain amount of time that you work out for, I can't remember, it would, if you're working out two hours a day um, for six days a week, you would definitely reach this threshold. There's this 
curve where like exercise actually helps with um, depressive episodes. And then once you get to too much exercise, it doesn't help, which I found really interesting. It's like the sweet spot of, of exercise where, where it helps. And I wonder, like, just because I worked in bodybuilding gyms and stuff like that, um, and I saw a lot of body dysmorphia and I wonder mm -hmm. if it's like because of an increase in obsession, I wonder what the qualitative aspects of that study are. Yeah. And I mean, I always think like mindset is so important because whatever you're thinking is what you're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And one of the other reasons why I don't like focusing on weight loss as your only goal is because for myself, it's never worked when I'm mm -hmm. focusing on like, oh, I really want to lose however many pounds, whatever it is. I obsess about what I'm eating. I'm obsessing about my workouts. I'm always like, is this enough? Am I, did I lift heavy enough? Did I work this muscle group enough? Am I going to get the gains that I want to? Did I drink like, did I drink enough water? Did I hit these calories? Did I get enough protein? And it just, it spirals. And I just, I feel terrible mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things. And when I just kind of let myself be, and I allow myself to trust my body and the energy levels that I have, and just kind of what I want to do for my workouts with, with some sort of kind of structure and plan still, I feel so much better about myself. And I feel like if I was trying to lose weight, when I stopped kind of letting go of that, like force that trying, it happens. And so that's why if we can focus more on our mindset in a positive way and, and going from a place of moving our bodies and fueling our bodies and taking care of ourselves from a place of self-love of, Hey, I'm a magnificent, magnificent human being, a magnificent, ma I can't say that word apparently today, a magnificent <laughs> well, it's a hard sometimes. <laughs> it is hard, but like, I'm amazing. I deserve to move my body because it makes me feel good. I deserve to eat nutritious foods because I feel my best and I deserve the best. When you come at taking care of yourself from that space compared to the, well, if I eat this food, I'm going to feel like a lazy piece of trash. And then therefore you will truly feel like a lazy piece of trash. Like it's, mm. it's not going to help you. Like if you don't feel good, when you feel like a piece of shit, you're not going to take those steps to take care of yourself. So if you can come from a place that's a lot more loving, a lot more caring, you speak to yourself the way you would speak to a friend or another loved one, you're going to be able to take those steps a lot more consistently and a lot more easily to just make yourself feel better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But I also do think um, treating yourself kindly is pretty aspirational. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we would never speak to our speak to another person the way that we speak to ourselves like even our worst enemy we wouldn't speak to them like that because I think inherently humans are pretty hard on themselves um, well I speak for myself and I speak to people I've coached um, humans are hard on themselves in my observations so what does that process look like going from like exercising from a place of self-hatred to a place of self-love I think these for me it started with admitting that I am a human that has a limited capacity for energy every single day there is only so much I can give for, for everything in my life. There's only so much I can give at work, in my personal life. Uh, there's only so much I can give in my workouts every single day. And that energy amount changes from day to day. So when I think I started looking at it from approach of I'm not a machine, and this is what I tell my clients too and people that I'm working with of you are only amount, meant to put so much out into the world every single day. Give yourself some grace to meet yourself where you're at. And like, so today it just, it was a really gloomy, rainy day here where I live. 
I normally spend part of my morning curled up reading with a book and I wanted to work out kind of, I was kind of lying there. I'm like, I could just stay on my couch. It'd be fine. And I know for a solid fact that if I move my body, I will feel better physically and mentally. So I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not feeling like doing anything really intense, like doing a boot camp class, doing a hit workout, heavy lifting just didn't sound very good to me. It kind of made me want to just truly throw the blanket over my head and curl up in a ball. It's like, but I'm enjoying reading my book. Why don't I take my book down and get on my elliptical? Cause I have a little home gym in my basement and read for a little bit longer while my elliptical I'm like, I'm still going to get my blood pumping. My heart rate's going to get up. I'm going to move my body. I'll do some stretching afterwards. And if while I'm down there doing some other exercises, some other lifts or mobility stuff sounds fun and sounds enjoyable, I'll add that in as well. So by giving yourself permission to kind of meet you where you're at, I think that helps start change that dialogue from I have to do this thing. I have to show up in this way. I have to stick to this program exactly to a T to a, well, I can have this kind of overall plan. I know what's good for my body. I know what I kind of hit here and there. I'm going to adjust it day to day how I'm feeling. Now, of course, there is a level of honesty that you have to have with yourself because there's a big difference between you honestly don't have the energy because you've been giving it to other areas of your life. And you're just unmotivated and feeling lazy. Mm. And that's why I always start with the, well, I'm going to go do something, whether it's 10 minutes on the bike, 10 minutes of mobility, 10 minutes of a walk, 10 minutes of elliptical, something that feels doable. And I'm like, well, if after that point I'm truly done, then you're, then I'm done and that's okay. But if I feel like doing more, I always can. So that way it's, it's opening the door to do more. And that's kind of how I work with my clients and I teach my Pilates classes too. It's all about, okay, if your body is here today, great. You honor that, you stay there. If you want more of a challenge and you feel up for pushing yourself more, here are these options. I think the more that we listen to our bodies, there are times I feel like I want to do the hardest things that I can think of. I want to do all the jump squats and the burpees. Well, maybe not the burpees very often, but every (laughs) once in a while. I want to do the HIIT training. I want to see how heavy of weights I can lift. But not every day is that day and that's okay. Mm. And that distinction that you mentioned, you know, that was going to be my next question. Like, what if you just don't feel like doing everything, anything every day and you always want to do the easy workout, but that distinction of like, I'm going to open the door to movement and see how I feel. And I think that is such a solid distinction because it's one thing to say, listen to your body, but I think it takes time to learn when you're listening to your body versus listening to your mind. Um, the mind that's resisting the new thing. One thing I've noticed is being a millennial, I got really burnt out. There was a couple of years ago, I was super, super, super burnt out and done a lot of work the past few years to allow myself time to rest, ease back into workouts and, and just feel better in a lot of areas of my life. And one of the things that I worked on was I regulated my nervous system because I realized I was not living in a parasympathetic nervous system place. It was very much in a sympathetic place. And so I was anxious a lot. And one of the things that I found out while kind of doing some of that work for myself was that when you are in that kind of fight or flight, anxiety, overwhelm state, it's really hard. It's extra hard to do the things that you in your head know you need to do. And so now, like a few years after being incredibly burnt out, I'll have moments where I'm like, actually, 
yesterday I had another example where I was like, I don't really feel like working out today. There's this other thing I want to go do, but I knew I'm like, I will feel so much better if I just work out right now, like whatever it is that I want to do, it can wait till later. It's not that big of a deal, but if I don't work out right now, if I don't move my body, I'm not going to have that opportunity the rest of the day. I'm not going to feel as good. And it was a Pilates workout, which always makes my joints and my body just feel so much better. And so I made myself do it. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm struggling with that honesty, that honest component of, am I just being lazy or do I really need to give myself a break? I want to think about maybe doing some sorts of meditations or things to kind of calm your nervous system back down and see if that makes it easier. I am not an expert in getting your nervous system to be regulated, uh, but I have noticed that shift within myself. And it's it's not easy to be able to tell if are you just being lazy or do you need the rest? And so give yourself some grace if you're starting that process and you're starting to ask yourself those questions for the first time, because chances are there's going to be a few times that you're going to pick the wrong thing. Mm. that you're going to be like, no, if I don't work my out, if I don't move my body, if I don't do this healthy habit, then I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to feel really guilty and I'm going to be really sad about it. And you push through it anyways, even if you're like, yeah, I probably should have gone for like a light walk today instead. Uh, or there are going to be other times where you're like, nope, I am too tired. I can't do this. And then after your words, you're like, I was really just kind of being lazy. I wish I would have worked out, but it's a process. It's a process. And another kind of thing that um, a coach that I worked with helped me with is she shared this concept of it's a free choice. If you feel like you can go with either option that you're facing and still feel like whatever you choose is safe, is happy, is healthy. And so if you're trying to choose between I'm going to work out, I'm not going to work out. And you're like, oh, well, if I choose that, I don't work out. There's a lot of guilt with it. There's a lot of kind of mm -hmm. icky, negative feelings. But then picking the working out is like the should thing that you should do, the, the thing that you really feel like you have to do, then you're maybe it's not coming quite from a place of is that what you honestly want to do uh, mm -hmm. compared to just what is best for you um, and learning to listen to your body in that way. Yeah. No, that is such a, a good point as well. Like really diving into the thoughts and the feelings, like the kind of somatic reaction within your mm -hmm. body when you think about both both kind of things. I know you, you mentioned that you weren't the expert in regulating your nervous system, but I'd love to dive into your own personal experience. What sort of things did you try out to regulate your nervous system so you were in a state where um, new habits weren't as stressful? So one of the things that I did is I did a neurofeedback machine, which was this fancy machine wow. with electrodes that went onto my head. Um, I was found or I was told about it by um, a friend of mine who's also a coach, Lori Gray. And it changed my life. Like it, I used it for about a month and I probably wasn't the most like dysregulated nervous system in the entire world, but I was enough that it was impacting my life in different ways and doing that machine, which it sounds like kind of kooky woo woo stuff on some way, but I just neuroscience is not my area of expertise. But basically you listen to a song, a sound and through what you're listening to, the electrodes are realizing how your brain is reacting to it. And somehow through its magical system, that's above my area of expertise. Uh, it 
works to bring your nervous system back down into more of that parasympathetic, wow, not fight or flight. And it was one of those things that because I had a trusted friend that told me that it worked, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try this. This is fine. It'll be fun. And if it doesn't work, like what's, what's the harm? And it, it worked wonders. And it's been a little over a year since I did that. And I still notice a difference after having done that machine for a month, month and a half. Um, I don't, they're not always easy to access. Um, I wish I, and they're very expensive to buy personally. Um, but there are some facilities that, that have some. So if you're interested, I would encourage someone to like Google neurofeedback machines. Um, That's so cool. find someone in your area, uh, but meditations in, adi- in addition to that, were were really helpful. And I think that's the what I use now to kind of maintain that is try to find stillness, find time in nature and just breathe and try to slow my mind down. And it really does make a big difference. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The goal-getting journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the goal-getting journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. That's so awesome to hear. Um, That's also a tip that I've never heard, like from your own personal experience. I've never heard of this machine and I'll definitely be Googling because I'm a little bit of a brain nerd. I'm not educated in, in neuro neuroscience well I guess I technically am from my biomedical science degree but not like specialized you know what I mean but (laughs) yeah like I just love all that sort of stuff so um that's cool I'm interested in your zone of expertise now two things that kind of in the first question that I asked that called out to me is that you worked with people that would work out for two hours every single day and they still weren't losing weight and they um they were plateauing in mm-hmm. my mind, it's like, okay, calories in, calories out, you know, you're burning a lot of calories. Um, you know, let's just say they're hitting their macros. They're in that quantifiable kind of zone. Why would someone plateau when they're working out that hard? The way I've always looked at it is exercise is a form of stress on your body and every form of stress can be good in the right quantities. So exercise, even though we look at it as being a good thing in our life, like More is better is not one of the things that applies to exercise, especially in the generally higher intensity exercises that we tend to see. And a lot of these people I was talking to, they were doing group fitness classes where they would be doing a 45 minute to an hour boot camp class, followed by a 45 minute to an hour cycling class, both of which were very, very high intensity workouts. 
or or running or then doing other types of high intensity focused classes and workouts. It was a lot. And so when you're doing that level of exercise, that level of physical activity at that high intensity, you are pumping cortisol into your body. And when cortisol is in your body and that amount, your body's going to hold on to fat because it thinks that there's something terrible happening. It's like, oh, wow, we are really stressed out. We got to make sure that we have supplies for the future because your body's and your brain's number one job above anything else is to keep you safe and alive. So anytime it feels threatened, even if the threat isn't actually really a threat, like your, your subconscious doesn't know that. It doesn't know if you are trying to run from one side of the United States to the other because there's no more food where you are and you just have to sprint across using as little calories as possible and hold on to your fat stores. Or if you're just running on a treadmill, your body doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And so lots of cortisol into your system is going to make that hard. And also, I just, I don't think human bodies are meant to push ourselves that much. Now, of course, there are individuals who like, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, collegiate athletes who do work out at those high intensities a lot for very long amounts of times. But those are also people who are very, very specific with their nutrition. They are very, very specific with their recoveries. Like they don't mess with that. So if you are the average person who has a nine to five job, a family at home, a friend you're trying to spend time with, trying to take care of yourself, you're trying to work out for two hours a day, and also recover, it just, you're probably not going to get it all in. It's a little bit too much. So that's what I was normally seeing is the intensities were too high. Cortisol was spiking. And we also, we have enough stress on our lives. When you add more cortisol on top of everything else, it just, it would wreak havoc on people's bodies. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's such a good call out as well in terms of like thinking about how our bodies were like originally designed and the reason why we would hold on to that. So I'm so glad you called that out, Chelsea. What I observe though, for people who run and people who go to HIIT classes, um, and and I love running, I love HIIT classes, mm -hmm. but for someone who isn't a personal trainer, it's often because like, that's all they kind of know how to do and they enjoy it. You know, it's yeah. like, Hey, I actually enjoy these fitness classes. Um, so how would you su suggest somebody to shift that? Like somebody who's doing all this as their main weight loss tool and they want to continue losing weight but they also really enjoy going to these classes. Well, one is I always encourage people to do things that they enjoy. Like if you love to run, you should go run. If you like hit classes, you should do the hit classes. I think when it comes to how much or how do you cut back, it's looking at what you're doing and how long are you spending in those intensities? So like, for example, let's say that you're going to do an hour long hit class Monday through Friday. So that's five hours a week. If that's what you enjoy, that's great. And if you feel awesome doing it, you're, you have energy, you're feeling like it's helping, like those workouts are giving you energy versus draining your energy, then keep doing it. That's fantastic. It's when you start to feel more tired afterwards, like not just the, oh, I worked out tired, but like, oh my gosh, I am going to go home and I'm going to pass out tired. When you were just ravenously hungry and nothing is going to satiate that hunger and you're not sleeping well, you're getting snappy, you're getting crabby, you're cranky all the time. That's when you might want to step back and think, okay, is this thing that I love? Maybe, maybe am I doing it a little bit too much? Like I love chocolate chip cookies. 
I really Mm -hmm. do. Cookies are my weakness. I love them. Should I have a dozen a day? Definitely not. (laughs) And so sometimes the things that we love, we just, we have to monitor how much we're doing them. And so uh, the things that I use are the American Council or the American College of Sports Medicine exercise guidelines for general health. And so those state that if you're going to do moderate physical activity um, of an accumulation of 150 minutes across a week, is enough physical activity for for general health. And if you're going to do vigorous uh, activity, which is going to be things like HIIT trainings, then you need 75 minutes accumulated across a week. So if you're going to do HIIT training five days a week for an hour, that's a lot more than 75 minutes. Now, again, that's general health. And so do we have to completely stick to those guidelines? No, you, they're guidelines for a reason. You can adjust them as works for you. When people are new to exercise, I like to give that as a goal for them to get to that 150 minutes or 75 of the vigorous activity. And then if you're already active and you're feeling kind of a little tired, a little overwhelmed, burnt out, then use that to kind of help cut you back a little bit. So if someone's doing, again, that, the example of the five times uh, every week of that hour-long hit class, maybe cut it down to two or three times a week. Or if it's a class, like, are you okay with backing your intensity off? Like, do you feel like when you're in that class that you have to go 110% the entire time? Or do you feel like three of those days you can go 110% and then the other two, you can kind of just 50, 50 you're moving, you're there, you're loving the environment, but you're giving yourself permission to not try to have it be a PR day to break records. Mm-hmm. Also, I one time had somebody want to come back to one of my boot camp classes after she'd had surgery and she'd been cleared by her doctor, but she and she was like, I don't know if I should come back. Like, what do you think? I, I told her, I was like, you are welcome to come back now that you're cleared by your doctor whenever you want. It's like, but there might be some exercises that you're not ready for. Are you mentally in a space that you can meet yourself where you're at, tone down the intensity, drop the weight, take a modification when you're in this group of people? Mm. I'm like, if that's something that you feel like you can do, then come on in. If you're like, "Mm, nope, I'm probably going to push myself. It's not time yet. And so really ask yourself, can you tone back those workouts a little bit? If you're feeling that crankiness, that tired, that ravenous hunger, those kind of those effects of that cortisol just going through your body like crazy. Yeah. And you raise a really interesting point there, Chelsea, the sociology behind like group fitness in general. And it's a big thing in yoga, like a a big foundation of yoga is not to compare yourself to others in the room, but that's exactly what you do. And I think especially coming back from an injury or time off or a vacation, it's like, oh, I must be as good as once I was once was um I'm curious though because we've spoken a little bit about burnout culture um I think my personal opinion is so sociology is a big part of it but what do you think is like the root cause behind like why we're so much more likely to hate ourselves into working out and to work out really really hard rather than like come at it from this place of like self-love you know that's a really good question I think I would love to say it's all society's fault, <laughs> but I think there's been, I think multiple generations where how you look has been a really big impacting thing. Like I was fortunate that I grew up in a household where my parents weren't commenting on my body, but I have lots and lots and lots of friends and clients where 
they didn't have that experience where they were having comments from their parents about what they were wearing, what they looked like, what their weight was all the time. So I think some of that kind of family stuff can be that, that like that comparison from one person to another. Uh, I also think just our media is just so like, you have to look a certain way. And I think it just been generation after generation of it's about fitting a certain size, a certain number on the scale, having a certain body size, body shape. And of course, like those change over times because like the body shape that is um, touted and celebrated today is not the same that it was in the 90s, but there's still like some level of you have to look a certain way. And I think that that's hard when most people don't fit into that mold. And I know for me, um, I've, I've truly tried to never put too much emphasis onto like the number on the scale or the size of clothes that I wear. I've got, uh, um, some friends who like, we're all different sizes, like different heights. And there was, um, some of them who, um, actually, I guess a better way to start the story is when I was getting married, I went to try on wedding dresses and the wedding attendant or that was helping with the dresses. She was super sweet. She's like, well, what dress size do you wear? Like, do you know? And I'm like, well, every bridesmaid dress I've ever worn has been a size 10. I have broad shoulders and a broad rib cage. I've got a larger bone structure. It is what it is. I'm not going to be able to shrink it. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, I don't think you're a size 10. I think you're, I think you're closer to a size eight at least. And I was like, that's really sweet. Again, (laughs) shoulders are this wide. Pelvis is this wide. Rib cage is this wide. And so we go and try on dresses and I'm like, okay, whatever, it's fine. And we find one that I like and she measures me. She's like, oh yeah, they want to, the designer says to order you a size 10. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm aware. <laughs> and of course, like I, I then had to have my dress in and altered in different spots because everybody's body's a little bit different. And I told that story to a friend, like with the sizes and everything. And they were like, you're a size 10. I'm a size 10. I didn't think we were the same size. And I was like, because we're different heights and we have different body shapes and we both carry our weight and our mass in different spots. Like that's okay. I'm five, five of average height. And so I look different in a size 10 or a size eight compared to people who are taller or shorter than me. But we're as a society have that kind of number drilled into our head of like, oh, you should be a size zero or a size two, or you should be a certain number of pounds on the scale. And if you're not that, then like you're quote unquote wrong, according to society's beauty standards, which then makes people feel like they're not okay. They're not good enough. And then of course they're going to act out in ways that are going to be harmful to their body and the ways that they're eating and in the ways that they're exercising. Yeah. You're so right. It's like, um, what we're fed isn't really bio-individualized mm-hmm. by society. Like that 1200 calorie diet thing, I think like women are meant to be 135 pounds. It's like, if you're above mm-hmm. average heights, <laughs> there's no yeah. way, you know, if you're above you're average height, that's pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I mean, 100%. I've also talked to some friends who have had kind of dieting shoved down their throat from a very young age. And I was really fortunate that I I wasn't. Yeah. And I had a friend recently who started working out. She was trying to eat healthier and she was given macros by um, the personal trainer that she was working with. And she was like, Chelsea, these have got to be wrong. And so I looked at them. <laughs> 
And I was like, well, like, what are the total calories? I'm like, I don't want to do the math real fast. Can you just tell me what your total calories are? She's like, it's like 2000. I was like, yup, that's probably right. That's probably fine. I'm like, if you're trying to build muscle, maybe lose a little body fat percentage, you're working out, you're staying active. I'm like, 2000 is probably not really that far off. She's like, it's so high. I'm like, (laughs) eh, it's not. And so I um, pulled out, I have an aura ring as an activity tracker. Mm. And so I pulled mine out. And of course it's, it's using a lot of estimations to come up with its average calorie expenditure for a day. And so I pulled up mine. Uh, and again, we're not the same body size. We don't have the same muscle mass. So it's going to be a little different, but I was like, look at how many calories I'm burning. I'm like, I'm almost always burning over 2000 calories and not closer to 2,600 because I have a very active job. It's like, Hmm. there you go. Look, your 2000 is going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. You're working out hard. You need to give your body energy. It's going to be fine. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm so with you there. And with women especially like re- reverse dieting is a whole thing because I'm similar to you because I grew up like with the opposite experience where my mom was always trying to put on weight she's five three she's quite small um she was always trying to put on weight and I have curves five nine so mm-hmm. like a lot taller as well and always told how beautiful my body was and stuff like that so the exact opposite experience of what and and all of these kind of standards I've learned through my clients and through being on this podcast. Like I heard of an almond mum for the first time the other day. And I'm like, what's an almond mum? I've never heard of this. Isn't Apparently, that like if you're hungry, you just you're supposed to just eat an almond? Yeah, something like that. I've heard so, about that too. Yeah. I did not have that experience growing up either. <laughs> I know. And um and and reverse dieting is actually really, really important because um, like, let's just say your friend has been told to have like 2000 calories and they've been eating 1200 calories all their mm-hmm. life. Like they kind of need to work themselves up to yep. that point so that they can eventually lose the fat they want, because chances are, if you're having t- 1200 calories and only focused on calories and not the macros, you probably don't have enough muscle mass to be burning at that rate yet. Yep. Um, there's like so much that goes into it, but you can eat more than you think. Yeah. And I think it's about being intentional when you eat. Yes. Um, I know I recently started kind of going on this journey of paying a lot of attention to my blood sugar. Um, mm. Diabetes runs in my family and I just really like preventative care. And so I would rather figure something out now when I'm fairly young and have an opportunity to really make a big impact on my health. And so by learning about how my blood sugar um, is f- impacted by different foods, different food combinations, different activities. It's really changed the way that I approach eating, not just from a, oh, I'm hungry and this sounds good standpoint. I know this is going to be nutritious or it's going to be the right number of calories, but also, okay, what's going to help make sure my blood sugar doesn't spike. And for me being able to have that perspective, because I've never been, I don't love counting macros or calories personally. It makes me think about my food way too much. And (laughs) I love food. I think it should be something that you enjoy in your life, but I don't want it to be controlling my life. Um, So when I have kind of the framework of, well, what can I eat that's not going to spike my blood sugar? It forces me to pick foods that are generally more heavy in protein a lot more vegetables, a lot more fiber. And it makes me not not eat the cookies or not not go get the latte at Starbucks, 
but it makes me really question why I'm having it. And I've learned that I have a, that I have a tendency for emotional eating. And so being able to slow down enough and have a reason to be like, why am I putting this in my body? It makes a huge difference for me. And now I know people who aren't emotional eaters and they're like, yeah, like I can just eat exactly what's on a meal plan all the time. I'm like, no, I need it to like Congrats. taste good, <laughs> good for you. But like, I really do enjoy eating food and I just have to toe the line of making sure it's not being detrimental to my health. But that awareness and finding kind of those things of like, what does your body really need to feel its best? It makes a big difference. And I had somebody ask me recently what I thought of like the carnivore diet. And my response was literally, there's a reason there's 50 million diets out there. It's because each one works differently for everybody. I've heard science say that the keto diet is the worst thing. I've heard people say that the carnivore diet is the worst thing. I've heard people say the vegetarian diet is the worst thing. And I also know people who eat in all of those different ways who feel absolutely fantastic. So if somebody wants to try something and it makes them feel good, good for them. We all have yeah. to find that way of how am I going to put food in my body that makes me feel my best. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to, uh, to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's products are... All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. -E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Yeah, fuck around and find out is what I yep. say. <laughs> just yep. mess around try a whole bunch of different yeah, things and try figure it out. try yeah. it it's an experiment it's totally exactly. an experiment yeah and there's frameworks for sure like even when it comes to like ideal fitness like pilates may be great for you but if we we're going to look at it as a framework find something that works on your mobility your strength mm -hmm. and also some level of endurance so maybe yep. 
um, you pair Pilates with something else, or maybe there is a good, good endurance in there. It's just like within that framework of things that your body does need at some sort of time, like figure out what you like. Um, and it's the yeah. same with your nutrition as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the people that are coming to my studio to do Pilates with me, the way that we kind of teach our classes and the clientele that we normally have our classes, they move like you can work up a sweat, no problem. But is it necessarily getting like the same type of workout for your heart as maybe going for like a slow jog or a longer walk? Maybe not necessarily. It's a lot of strength and mobility. And so I normally encourage people like, hey, if you're going to come do Pilates, why don't you go for a walk? You do like to ride a bike? Go do that. <laughs> Add those things in as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. To keep it balanced. Something you mentioned that I do want to dive into quickly, just because I've had a similar experience with something else is you measuring your um, blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. And I love how like health is still the goal in some sort of way. Um, and, and weight loss would usually occur from doing things that are better for your blood sugar, but you found another metric, um, something that, cause I'm actually like in a, in a phase where I'm in a more weight loss goal kind of phase mm -hmm. at the moment. But something I'm really enjoying um, measuring at the moment is my heart rate variability because I have a whoop and my resting heart rate. Um, and I've noticed when I've got really high recovery levels and I'm feeling good, I'm getting out of bed easier. Those two metrics are usually better. And that's from balancing my recovery activities like yoga with running and weightlifting and yeah. stuff like that. So while weight loss is still important to me, for sure, I'm at a stage in my life where I've put on more weight than I would like, which happens, your body goes through phases. Um, I'm really enjoying like focusing on those metrics that I've noticed make me feel a certain way. I love that you bring that up because that's the exact reason why I don't love weight loss being your primary goal. Because when you start taking care of your body, most of the time, weight loss is going to happen. And weight loss and weight gain are two really complicated things that marketing has made think is just calories in, calories out. It's, it is on the surface level. There's a lot more to it. So when you can focus things like, what are your recovery metrics? What are those blood sugars? Well, what weight are you lifting? How far are you running? When you can look at those other things, like how are your clothes fitting? Like notice those things more than just what the number on the scale is, because that's so much more motivating. And it's, mm. it's just, you're going to feel better and you're going to be focusing on that stuff so much more. And it'll help you make those choices that are going to help you feel your best and most likely lose weight too long-term. But if you're just constantly looking at the scale, like the, the number on the scale fluctuates a lot. Actually, before hopping on this, I just happened to pull up Facebook and I can't remember who it was, but it was some fitness account that I follow and they had a picture of a scale and they were like, hey, y'all, I'm like one pound heavier this morning than I was one yesterday. We want to know why? They're like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I probably ate later yesterday than I did the day before. And I was like, I like this. <laughs> I like hearing <laughs> this content of it's not the end all be all of the world. And the more you can focus on those other things, those metrics that you enjoy that are that are bringing motivation to your life naturally, that's going to make such a big difference in being able to make these habits a long term change, not the, well, I'm going to exercise and diet until I lose 20 pounds, and then I'm going to move on. Exactly. Yeah. And I find that clients actually get a lot of like, when you mentioned that running metric or the lifting, um, like when somebody can like run three miles or run five miles, like they get so hyped. And I would say that hype 
kind of motivates you to do more, more so than the weight loss, because I feel like the weight loss, like you can't just keep losing weight because like you just can't, you know what I mean? You get to a point where you're at your ideal kind of weight range. Whereas with some other goals, you can keep on working at those, which I, that's why I think diversity and goals is so important. Mm -hmm. I also think it's hard. Like when people are like, oh, I want to lose five pounds. I'm like, where are you getting that number? Like, where does that come from? Because I also like when I was burnt out, I lost or I gained weight because I'm an emotional eater and I wasn't (laughs) exercising because I felt tired and I was exhausted. I was definitely using the I'm tired as an excuse to not work out. And so like I gained some weight and it wasn't until some of my clothes started to feel a little bit tighter that I was like, oh, and then I went to the (laughs) doctors and I saw a different number on the scale than I was used to. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so instead of being like, oh, I want to lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 15, 20, whatever it is. I was like, okay, well, we're just going to step back and we're going to start exercising again. And we're going to start paying attention to what we're eating and focusing on these different things. And luckily by that time, even though it was a period of my life where I gained, I gained weight, I had given myself time to rest. So then I wasn't burnt out anymore. And I could go back and actually put energy into taking care of myself and going about the rest of my life, which made a really, really big difference. And even now I'm kind of like, yeah, I could still lose some more weight. But if I were to put a number to it, I honestly don't know what that number is. Like, Mm. could it be five pounds? Could it be 10 pounds? I'm not totally sure what it would be. Because if I start thinking about what other weights I've been in my life, I mean, one of them, like, I was like, I was 125 pounds when I was in high school. I was 18 and I hadn't picked up a weight in my entire life. I mean, I probably am not going to be that weight again, healthy. And so kind of trying to find what that weight is, it's trickier than just, oh, I want to lose an amount of weight. And so knowing that weight loss is a goal of yours, totally fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But when you have those other metrics, you have something to keep you motivated. And then one day you might just be like, I feel really good in the clothes that I'm wearing. I feel like I have lots of energy. My joints don't hurt. Like I just, I feel good. And then maybe step on the scale and be like, oh, I am this much today. We're going to try to stay around here. Yes, that's actually a really good call out because your, I guess your goal at 30 shouldn't really be your goal at 20 because you've changed so much throughout the years. And hopefully if you have had some sort of training regime at some point throughout your 20s, you know, you're now in your early thirties or wherever you're at, you're probably going to weigh heavier because you probably have more muscle mass as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a really good call out, focus on moving often and like paying attention to what you're eating. And then when you're at a place where you're feeling good, all right, that's where I'd like to kind of maintain. And if anyone listening is like, but I like my root goal is truly to lose weight. Take the time to get your body fat percentage measured because right. then that way you actually know if you're losing body fat compared mm-hmm. to if you're losing water weight or muscle mass. Look at that number and then go from there. Because yes. I know I've had clients who are like, oh yeah, I went on this diet and I lost 20 pounds. And I'm looking at them being like, you didn't have 20 pounds to lose. And I'm pretty sure what you lost was muscle mass. And I'm starting to see changes in your strength ability when we're exercising and that's not healthy. So yeah. So if you're going to really focus on kind of that, changing your body size, changing your weight, try to get your body fat percentage measured so you can get some accurate information because muscle is going to weigh more than fat. It's a lot denser. Yes. And muscle is so important. Um, 
my doctor has, I go to a holistic doctor, one of the in-body scanners, which mm-hmm. I used to have at one of the, um, one of the gyms I used to work at. And they're amazing because they, they're awesome. Yeah. They do your skeletal muscle mass. So you want to keep that and increase that. And then yep. your body fat, which you obviously want to reduce. So definitely recommend people for looking that in their local area too. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of those, um, kind of the, like the in-body, like those bioelectrical impedance measurements, they're pretty readily available. I think a lot of supplement stores have them anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Just make sure you're properly hydrated when you go in, because if you're not hydrated, you will get a higher body fat percentage than is accurate. So drink Fun your fact. water before. Yeah. <laughs> drink your water, fact. drink your water. And I used to work at a gym where the um, trainers doing the test would not tell people that they needed to be hydrated before. And I'm like, it probably wasn't the most accurate piece of information. Make sure you're dehydrated yeah. when you go again, I guess. At least you could compare semi-equal <laughs> body states. Makes for a good story if you don't tell them on the first round, but you do tell them on the last yeah. round. Yes, <laughs> maybe that was the trick and I'm just too honest. Maybe, maybe. No, I, I much prefer the honesty. I really enjoyed our conversation today, Chelsea. We've spoken about a lot of different things, but I'd love for you to create your own question now. Is there anything that, you, we haven't spoken about today during this podcast episode that you'd really like to chat about. I would say we kind of touched on a little bit, but find a way of moving your body that feels good for you in whatever way that is. If you love HIIT workouts, if you love running, if you love weightlifting, I'm someone who I, I like to do different things. I like to do Pilates. I like to weightlift. I like to do bar. I like to cycle. I like to walk. I like to every once in a while run. And so a lot of times I'm kind of creating my workouts for the week, for the month, based off of how I'm feeling and what is interesting me at that point in time. Do I want to work out with other people in a group fitness class? Do I want to be by myself in my basement? But be willing to experiment, be willing to go try new things, new environments, and just see what you like. And then do that. Do that. Make it as something that you do consistently. You put into your schedule, into your routines, and yeah, that's probably my best piece of advice when it comes to your body is find something that brings you actual joy because you are more likely to do it, which is the important thing. Yes. I, and I love that you've mentioned that because I think it's similar to the diet. People will fixate on one specific thing as being the be all and end all to losing weight when it's really like the more tools you have in your toolkit, the better, yeah. because you have the knowledge to say, Hey, I'm not feeling a group workout today. I'm going to try the elliptical because you now know how to use an elliptical. Yeah. yeah. Like I love, I love yoga, but I don't love yoga all the time. Yoga yeah. for me is one of those classes that I like going to it when I feel like I need to slow down. I want to stretch more and I want to challenge my body in a different way. But if I was like, I'm going to do yoga every single day, I wouldn't enjoy that. Same thing for running. If I was like, I'm going to run every single day, probably wouldn't have a good time. But if I run when it sounds fun and exciting and I have that energy and I just want to do it, then I'm going to be a lot happier and my body is going to be a lot happier too. I love that. Yeah. You know what? Personally, I'm just going to provide this different kind of blend for people my I go through phases I go through phases where I want to run every single day for two weeks and then I want to do classes every day and then I Mm -hmm. want to do yoga every day it's really weird it's like um a hyper focusing I guess it's like I'm hyper fixated on the one thing for a bit and then I move to something else you know I do that too yeah (laughs) Yeah. I'll become obsessed with something and normally if I feel like I'm getting obsessed with a certain type of thing I just kind of go through the kind of the checklist you mentioned earlier is there strength training involved is there (laughs) mobility are we doing endurance is my heart rate getting up a little higher am I recovering enough okay if those things are happening then we're good 
I'm going to keep doing whatever I feel like doing, even if it's the same thing every single day for two weeks. Exactly. No, I love that. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, Chelsea. And I'm sure, you know, other folks, they want to get in touch with you. So um, yeah, how can we all get in touch with you? So the best way right now is on Instagram at the mindful self-care. That's where you're going to find anything that I'm kind of doing right now. And then I got my podcast on there too, which is kind of very similar to this. Uh, We talk all things self-care and my definition of self-care is very broad. It is anything that makes you feel good and gives you energy. And so we talk fitness, nutrition, mental health. Uh, Sometimes it's me talking with a guest about a topic that they're an expert in uh, or just their kind of their experience with their self-care or it's me giving my thoughts on something. Amazing. So if you love the holistic podcast, holistic fitness podcast you're definitely gonna love the self-care the mindful self-care podcast yeah that'll be fun awesome well thanks so much for joining i've really loved having you chelsea thank you so much for having me laurie this has been fantastic no worries and for everyone listening at home whether you're vacuuming the house driving the car whatever you're up to eat well move well breathe well and until next time keep shining